You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Bashera. And uh, we have Marcus Pinn back for a second time. Welcome, Marcus. Yeah, Hello. welcome back. What's going yeah. on, man? We've been wanting to uh, we've been wanting to get you back uh, under normal circumstances, but we might right. as well take advantage of this. Um, so we were we were talking about man, we were talking about a heavy heavy movie. I've been trying to avoid like real heavy serious shit while I'm stuck inside my apartment, but you picked a movie that I love, all time incredible movie. Mm-hmm. But not one that will leave you feeling positive about life while you're stuck in a pandemic. Right down to the very end. Although, you know, I will say, and it's not even just because of Richard Pryor, there's little moments of humor oh, know, yeah. to, to break it up. But no matter what, you're right. By the end of the movie, it's like, oh, man. So we should say it's Blue Collar. Yeah. Uh, Paul Schrader, first movie he directed. Yep. After he wrote uh, Taxi Driver. Yep. And it's got Richard Pryor in a. I mean, Richard Pryor is one of those people he just can't help being funny, but sure. he's fucking great as a dramatic actor. Yeah, yes. in this movie. And uh, I, I was actually going to ask you guys, like, do you think we should spoil this movie because this is one that a lot of people have not seen? Hmm. That's true. Yeah, see, that's tricky. Normally, it's like uh, this was seventy-eight. It's like oh, you had a while to see it, but um. I don't know. I feel like almost talking about it will don't say the actual ending, but I think we can, you, you know. Yes. The one thing I wanted to say, and I mean, might as well get out of the way. To me, maybe the most horrific, mm. like death I think I've ever seen say. in a movie. I was gonna Loki. say, yeah, and I don't want to say, yeah. I don't want to say who it is because that oh, gives away the movie. And sure. it's, and, and again, this is a movie that people should know and should watch, but for whatever yeah. reason, it's not very well remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember very specifically when this movie was like introduced to me and and um, kind of shared with me, and I was like, "Oh my god, how is this movie? Like, how did I, how is it? I never heard of this movie." So I'm curious. Like, this is one you picked out, Marcus. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Why you of all these movies you pick this one? It all it's because of that scene. It tra- like uh, it was very little. Uh, it had to have been before. Uh, no, actually, I was like five or six. And my dad, he didn't have much filter movie-wise about what I could see. Like, he would just have a movie on, and I'd come into the room, and he'd be watching it. And I came in just as that character started painting the car just oh. before his death. And I remember just, like – and I didn't even watch the whole thing because after he – like, that very last moment when he, like, breaks out the window and his body's just – I was like, whoa, what is it? Like, if you're, like, five or six and you just walk into that scene, it's like, wait, what? And then when I was in high school and I started getting into movies more, it was just another thing that, oh, it's because I was, I was, Taxi Driver was like one of the movies I was obsessed with by the time I got to high school. And I started tracing back any and everything, Paul Schrader, Scorsese, Harvey Keitel, and it, you know, eventually led me to Blue Collar. And then I watched it. That scene came on, you know, and I was in high school, so I was still, you know, my, my dad was, was around still, so I was like, um, Oh, Dad, do you remember watching this movie when I was? He's like, yeah, no, and he, he remembered me being like weirded out by that scene, and everything. So 
yeah, it all started with that. It's so funny. Like that's why I like hopped up when you when you mentioned that. And I was like, oh yeah, because yeah, it stuck with me. I remember I was in a I was in like a screenwriting class. There's this guy Randy Perlstein who he's just a real character. He was in my improv class, mm-hmm. and I found out that he was a cast member of the Chappelle Show. He's one of the white guys in the Chappelle Show, and mm-hmm. he did a bunch of like he's done a bunch of commercials. Is he the d- guy the Dudes Night Out that isn't Bill Burr? Like dark hair. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking might about. Might be because Christian Christian Finnegan is a comic not who him. was the uh, yeah, Mad not, Real World. Yeah. That, yeah, that's yeah, the no, white guy no, in that. Yeah, he's in like every guy. other. Talking about the other guy, the other host of uh, the other host of the of uh, the racist draft or whatever. The yeah, so draft. he was. I I, yeah. I met him in like improv class, and what I right. found out was is that the owner of the improv uh, is the pit, and that guy Ali Farnakian, who like came up with Tina Fey and all these people. He was just friends with Randy. They played poker together. Uh-huh. And oh, Randy, that's what Randy co-wrote Cabin Fever with Eli Roth. Wow. Uh-huh. And I don't know what happened. Like they clearly had a falling out because their careers went separate ways and he doesn't really bring Eli up. Uh-huh. But um, he was in my improv class. I became friends with him. He goes, yeah, you know, I was playing poker with Ali and he like, he challenged me to do improv. Like he's like, why don't you just try to do this thing? And so mm-hmm. I became friends with him and then later found out all this, all this stuff about him. He was like doing stand up with Chappelle, and wow. he actually uh-huh. was ho- he was hosting. It's, it's so funny because this is like I, I I took a writing class with him. He, he ended up teaching a screenwriting class, and he like did a scene from this movie, and he gave me his VHS of this movie. This is how long ago this was, and uh, he goes, "I don't even know if you can get this anymore, but I want you to see this movie." And I and I was like a Taxi Driver was a big movie for me when I was a kid. I remember watching it. I remember being. I remember it was like the first movie where I was like, I had to think about like, why is this a a movie and why is this good? If that makes sense. Like if you watch a movie where the plot is clear and like the hero is clearly a hero and the bad guy is clearly a bad guy, you can understand like there's something like innate, like, oh, I understand why this is a movie. Taxi Driver is a movie where you're like, whoa, like how did this even come to be? You know I felt I mean? the same, yeah, same. same. And same. I like, I it's so funny because I love Albert Brooks is like one of my heroes. I love and I love that Albert Brooks is in Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. and I, that might have even been his first like movie role. In the role that was supposed, to, Harvey Keitel was supposed to play that role. Oh, is that right? Yeah, everything got switched up. So the pimp, so Sport was supposed to be black. Yeah, <clears throat> and then Harvey Keitel, because that's Scorsese's boy, especially during that time, he was going to be uh, the campaign manager guy. Oh, I and never then heard it that was story. A and then it was more. It was kind of like Harvey Keitel was like, "No, I kind of want to be the pimp." Blah blah. And then Schrader and Scorsese were like, "Well, technically, the pimp only has like a couple of quick scenes." And and Keitel was like, "I don't really care. Like, wh- whatever." So then they switched the race to the pimp. Then they brought Albert Brooks on, and yeah. Oh, see, I, never, I, I knew that yeah. there was like a thing where Scorsese specifically chose to have the pimp be white. That was that Harvey Keitel's because it was, uh, it was unu- it. unusual at that time to have that character be uh, a white actor. And um, it, I, I remember hearing Albert Brooks saying like he's talking to Paul Schrader, who wrote the script, mm-hmm. and Schrader told Albert Brooks like your character is the only character that I don't really understand in the movie. And Brooks mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, really? Like, it's a movie about like murderers and pimps, and like, I'm the one that you don't fucking get, like, yeah. the, the nerdy, <laughs> the nerdy, right. funny guy." Right. <laughs> so I just remember Taxi Driver being huge, but I just didn't really know about. I may have seen American Gigolo at this point, but I just didn't mm-hmm. really know about um, this movie, and it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks the first time I watched it. 
And Same. I think it's because, you Same. know, well, I, first I grew I up with like, to finish. well, I grew up with yeah. uh, union guys. Like my dad was a union laborer, my uncle, mm. my, all my, my grandfathers, everybody I knew. And I even worked like construction a few summers. Mm. So I had like real, I had like sort of personal baggage with union oh, okay. guys yeah. and how the unions worked. And how one in one regard they protected the workers and they made it possible for like immigrants like my family to like make money and you know buy houses all that stuff. But in other ways, there was a lot of shit that they they didn't exactly make things more efficient and smooth. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So I had yeah. a lot of like personal baggage with unions, and then here comes this movie that is so like it's. I mean, it's a Greek tragedy. Like, I don't know how, how yeah. else to describe it. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like. I was how did I, I describe it to somebody like they it starts with these guys committing a crime and then it just gets worse and worse and like they start almost in hell and they just go deeper and deeper into hell in a way. Well, that's the thing. This movie it was like one movie that turned into a whole other thing because I remember because yeah. this is a, like uh, I saw this in 1998 for the first time, so it wasn't even like you could look up like deep synopsis on on the internet. So by the time it's like oh it's going to be a heist movie. And then, you know, by like the 30 minute mark and then after that, it's like, no, midway into the movie, it was like, wait, weren't they supposed to wait? They committed a crime. Oh, that's not even about, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, they stumbled onto something and it became something else. I thought it was going to be this like robbery heist movie. I had it in my head as I was as they were planning that like the big middle chunk is going to be this like Rafifi style thing where like they're going to pull this heist off and it's going to be like a 30 minute scene. And it really wasn't, it just like totally went let left field. Oh man. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, it's like a really good point. I didn't even, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah, it's to me. And like the acting is, we said it like it's Yafikoto, Harvey Keitel and Richard Pryor. And at that point, Pryor was not considered a real actor. Right. And he, like they famously, like these guys fought, like they were getting into fist fights. I was going to say that all their performances, there's an extra layer and I give them all respect because they gave great performances, but they, they also had to act as friends and none of them liked each other. It, and, and it was like a three-way death match. Like the three, there wasn't a combination. It wasn't like, oh, two hated prior, two hated Kaito. It was like each of them did not like like like, like each other. So that's I, like I didn't to be able that. to play for. Yeah, it, honestly, I always think to myself. Yeah, I think it's they were like, like, like Kaito's like. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say like Kaitel like like famously told Pryor like you're not a fucking actor who do you think you are? Meanwhile Pryor yeah. is acting the shit out of this yeah. movie. Like yeah. his performance <laughs> is because it's like I don't like like comedy comedies, mm-hmm. and I don't like movie like the one thing my one knock on on Paul Schrader is like I heard somebody say that like uh, whenever a European filmmaker makes an uh, an American movie they get America wrong. Because the movies are always too heavy. Like, I don't think outsiders get that, like, America... There's a lot of just, like, goofiness Bullshitting about around, being an American. Around, yeah. and it's not nuance, like, I, I completely agree with that. It's yeah. not... And I, don't, and I don't mean, like, goofy as some, like, like, a cover for some, like, dark underbelly. I just mean straight up, just, like, goofy, like, like aw shucks, I can't believe this is happening kind of stuff. And whenever yeah. a European filmmaker makes a, a movie about Americans, it's always so fucking heavy. I and I know that Sh- yeah. and Schrader's an American, but Schrader started out as a film critic really into European cinema and Japanese Absolutely. cinema. So yeah. he's almost like and he grew up not watching movies. He grew up like in a very strict home where he wasn't allowed to watch movies. So he is almost like an alien in, in a way. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, like, there's not a lot of levity in his in his movies. Yeah. And so, in that regard, I don't love like I I I mean I one of the things you can say about Scorsese is every one of those fucking movies is hilarious, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like Goodfellas is hilarious. Casino is hilarious. Oh, a thousand percent. Goodfellas yeah. is funnier than pretty much every comedy. Oh, I'll take uh, Pesci yeah. in Goodfellas and Casino over any comic performance, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Except for maybe like Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein. Like it's pretty right, much my right. favorite comedic performances. Yeah. That's right. But um it's interesting having cause because again, Pryor is he's he he just like funny just oozes out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's such a tragic I, the line that always sticks in my head. I got is what well, he's like. I I just ain't ever been good at with money, man. I just could never mm. figure it out. Right. And it's so fucking sad, and it's so true, and it's exactly how you would expect some like sad clown to just be. Like you just can't, like he just can't figure life out. Like he just can't get it together. And it's, well, it's yeah, the, the the scene that a lot of people go towards is the um when um. Who's the guy? The the guy that comes to the house. What what what, what what's his title? Where he's uh, trying to. Oh, the where, IRS where, like, guy. Yeah, the IRS guy. Yes. Yeah, like a lot of people call out that scene as like one of the 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 high points of acting, like in that film when he's he's like he's shuffling the kids around, like kids that aren't even his, and then finally he just like loses his patience and he just kind of like Breaks loses down, yeah. it, you know, on 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 the guy. And well, he I'm, um he, yeah. they, he like so. So we should say like the movie's about three union right. uh their car workers or auto workers. Yeah. And they're they're their best friends and they, you know, fucking party on the weekends and and they decide to rob so they basically have a problem with the plant and they have a problem with the union, and so their their idea is they're gonna rob the union safe yep. as like a get rich quick scheme. And um so the opening couple scenes is kind of setting the tone of like what their lives are like. So Richard Pryor yeah. lied to the IRS and he claims six kids, even though he has three kids. And the IRS guys goes like, he's like, yeah, you got Gail Sayers Brown, Jim Brown, yeah. Yeah, 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 Stevie yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder Brown. <laughs> it's like your kids' yeah, yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking yeah. amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, he he just, I mean, I, I I could talk just about prior, like prior, like so so big for me, like growing up, like I didn't even, I don't know that I even knew. I I probably was introduced to prior with like Superman three, and um. <sighs> I think I was too, um well maybe not maybe there was some stand up thing I saw as a kid but and there was a lot of, I mean he did a lot of crappy movies too like movies that I mean I haven't even gone back to but I'm sure I'm sure the toy does not hold up you know oh, that mean? movie doesn't hold up for a few reasons I mean the, 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 <laughs> that's a, I don't like I don't like the word problematic but that movie's fucking problematic yeah it is yeah oh yeah same no um, but, well you know but there's a couple have you ever seen um Bingo Long and his traveling all stars no, I don't know what that oh is. Oh my god, it's this movie about it's this movie about uh the Negro Leagues. Uh and it's 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 uh it was early 70s. It's James Earl Jones, Billy Dee Williams and Richard Pryor and they're all on this baseball team and it's just about the early years of like the Negro Leagues and they're traveling from town to town and all the, you know, nonsense that they go through. And of course it's a serious movie but Richard Pryor's the comic relief. Yeah, and then it's like this whole thing where, like, I, well, I don't want to give anything away, but that's, but that's one of the, but that's another kind of forgotten mm. movie. But Richard Pryor is really good in that, and there's a really good fight scene. It's like it's funny because it's pre Star Wars. There's like a scene where like Billy D. Williams and James Earl Jones are like best friends in the movie, and then they get into this like they live style fight because they both kind of had it w- w- with with each other. It's it's really good. It's really really good. 
Yeah. yeah. It's, I remember I remember moving, which was kind of late in his run. Oh, remember, man, moving, yeah. Which well, I that's think, like, yeah, I don't want guilty towards pleasure. The end. Yeah, it was, yeah, but Randy Quaid, here's what's crazy. That That's supposed to be his big comedy. Randy Quaid and Dana Carvey upstage Richard Pryor. Yeah, yeah, that was, that that movie, was Dana which, Carvey's, like, big break. It sounds blasphemous to say, but it's true. Like, he's not really that funny in that movie, but the supporting cast is. It's funny because wow. I was thinking yesterday, I'm not a huge SNL guy, and I was like, <clears throat> I don't understand people who, like, run out and watch movies because, like, it's it's based on an SNL sketch. Yeah, you know, I'm like, who, yeah. who's the guy? Who's, who's the guy? Like, well. oh, I, I gotta go see Coneheads and and you know, Night at the Roxbury. But sure. The, sure. the SNL people that I went out to see their movies was Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Like that yeah. era, like when yeah, Wayne's World came out, I saw Wayne's World. Yeah, in the Mike Myers was when um yeah, when uh, Opportunity that. Knocks came out. I was like, Dana oh Carvey God, is gonna be the biggest one. movie star in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got, called that one wrong. Yeah. Um. But you yeah, know, prior- side note, side note, the it's funny, like we're talking about with Blue Collar, how there's this whole backstory with how they didn't get along. Oh, I was saying earlier that just like 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 um Heart of Darkness, they could have made that type of movie for Blue Collar. It was really like not so much for budgeting purposes, but the way folks didn't get along. But Penelope Penelope Spheris and Mike Myers fucking hated each other. Oh no shit. In in Wayne's it, it like that's a whole separate story and it was what's really? really cool is in different times Marin has had Penelope Ferris on and Mike Myers on and I, it's not like they throw shots at each other but like the the stories that each of them tell I'm like oh man they still haven't let it go but but anyway yeah I think I mean there's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. lot of my favorite movies like came out of those kinds of situations do you know what I mean I was yep. just rewatching out of sight for the hundredth time and J-Lo was a fucking nightmare to work with and oh, Steven, I didn't know that. Uh, Steven Soderbergh and 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 George Clooney will come out and say, "Yeah, they'll, like they'll, they'll they won't say like she sucks, but they'll just make little comments about you know them being on set and being ready to go and her being a fucking prima donna." But that guess is what? Her she's, reputation. It's yeah, the most consistent. Rep, it's the most consistent. One of the maybe top three most consistent. She's fucking great in that movie, and her and Clooney yeah, together are phenomenal together in that movie. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, Kaitel is another guy who. It's funny. I ju- I just watched uh, the Duelist, which is Ridley Scott's first movie. Yeah, and he's in that. Yeah, and um, I just rewatched Reservoir Dogs, and he. Ba- I mean, Kaitel basically made Tarantino's career, Ridley getting- Scott's career, and to some degree, Scorsese's career. Like, yeah, he, you know, Harvey Kaitel has always had this. If he started out with you, slash, if you're a young filmmaker, he's with you forever. But he always has issues with like, you know, like he was. Kubrick, him and Kubrick, he was kicked out of Eyes Wide Shut, and you obviously famously Apocalypse Now. Like, yeah. when when anytime Harvey Keitel, when he was in his now it's whatever, but when if, if it's his first movie with a well known director, there's there's maybe eight times out of ten there's like some huge issue. But if you're like a young director, or if he started with you, which you're probably a young director, he's always like. I, I don't know why that is. It's such a weird thing. Yeah, well, before. I mean, we just did, we just did King in New York, and he gave mm-hmm. he gave Abel like street cred for basically being like a more of a mainstream filmmaker which is crazy because that movie is about as non-mainstream as you could possibly get about <laughs> yeah, yeah. but and, and now he's become he's become like a wes anderson player in his later years like he's yeah, in yeah. every wes anderson movie now yeah yeah thank cool. god I, I like that too i think that's fucking rad it's just yeah. funny like Kaitel is so like jewish slash italian new york brooklyn that's yeah, just that there, brooklyn yeah. like he just can't shed that accent and that attitude 
So he it shows so, up in the Duelist, which is like yeah, a period movie. It shows but it doesn't up distract in, me. It strangely doesn't distract me from that movie. Yeah, he just it, to me, it's like I mean, maybe because it's like I again growing up here, it's like I I just I get that attitude, and I and I get how funny it is to people who are more genteel coming from other parts of the United States, where right, right, right. they don't they don't wear their attitude on their sleeve quite so much. But yeah, Kaitel is another interesting and dude. Yafik Koto is one of my fucking. He's fantastic in this favorites. Yeah. yeah. And between this and Alien and Midnight yeah. Run, like he's just one of the. Midnight I mean, Run. he started like in exploitation films, right? Like this was right around the time he oh, was doing. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, what's the Isaac Hayes movie where he's the villain? Um, is it Across 110th Street? No, no. Well, that's that. That's him and and, and oh, Truck Turner. Yeah, he's the villain in Truck Turner, where oh, he famously. Oh, the have you seen? It, there's a great reference. Have you ever seen? You've seen uh, New, New Jack City. Yeah, yeah, we did it. There, a we did while New ago. Jack City. Yeah, the scene, you know, like post wedding, where there's the shootout, and Wesley Snipes grabs the little girl, you know, as yeah. a shield, just like when Martin Sheen grabs that the was, kid. Yeah, in, in, like in, in Truck Turner, which I think is 1974. I don't know about Cronenberg, but. Mario Van People specifically said in, in, in interviews, like he wanted to rip this scene off where there, there's a famous shootout at the end in a hospital and Yafikoto grabs this little kid and like holds it, you know, in, in, in front of him. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is he, I think, I mean, I know he was a Bond villain. I think he's another guy that could have had, I would have liked to see him be a villain more because even his stature, especially when he like, you know, Richard Pryor at that time was like, well, I think he's always been kind of a skinny guy, and Harvey yeah. Keitel's not tall, so it only like accentuates Yafit Koto's like build, you know, in that movie. So oh, dude, like, when they're walking, when they're when the when they have the union meeting after the robbery, and they walk outside of the building, yeah. and you see how much bigger Yafit Koto is than Harvey yeah. Keitel. Like yeah. it's not even it's not even two men. Do you know what no, I mean? No, like Yafit Koto is like such a man. That yeah. Harvey Keitel looks like a fucking doll, and Harvey Keitel is jacked. Well, how, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's always been jacked. Yeah, how, yeah. how 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 tall is Harvey Keitel? Does anyone know mm, like around five, about five five six? Yeah, okay, he's not he a tall is guy. A, he is a very short guy because yeah. it it makes him look huge. Yeah, um, yeah. which but, makes uh, both of them look big. Yeah, and Yafikoto is just like one of those guys where he just like so like he just has that gravity to him. Like he just yeah. it, it just an amazing. I, I I I would watch him in pretty much anything. Like so fucking good. I was going to say, though, even his stature didn't stop. So the famously the scene just after the orgy scene and then it cuts and they're just sit, sit, sitting on the couch was like the biggest like physical fight that they all had just before like they had to shoot that scene. And Richard Pryor like broke a chair over over Yafit Koto's back. Oh, shit. It was one, yeah, that's how much they didn't get along. So Harvey Keitel what? and Yafet Koto physically were getting into it, which respect to Harvey Keitel for going at him. I know, Jesus. And then, like, he wasn't, Richard Pryor wasn't, like, a factor. And then, like, while Yafet Koto had his back to Richard Pryor and he was struggling with Harvey Keitel, like, Richard Pryor just took a chair to, to his back. Like, I'm telling you, the Jeez. making of this movie was a disaster. Like, all three <laughs> leading got like, just did not get along. Yeah, wow. it's, it's, it's funny. You brought up, the, yeah. so early on, they, like, they're, they're all, the, Harvey and Richard are married in this movie, so they sneak yes. off on their wives, and Yafikoto right. is like their party connection. Right. And like this is how naive I am, and also like how much the times have changed. I didn't even realize that the women were prostitutes at the party. I just thought they were hoes. I was like, because like in 2020, you could imagine like, oh, there's just some girls here. They're going to bang those girls. Back then, right. it's like, no, you actually had to pay for that shit. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, like yeah. the ho the hoeing has gone up since like 1974, where you back then you would because it's, it's just it's just assumed like oh they're they're clearly prostitutes if they're there 
you yeah. know, they get banged. And now it's like, oh no, they they met these girls. And now it just be like, oh, we met these girls at the club. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and that scene, like when he, you know, Pryor makes it, like takes the cocaine. He's like, yeah. it's just, it's just That's so a great much scene. good that, stuff. Yeah. And then even the 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 union guy who's Eddie Knuckles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was like a Broadway actor. He's fucking great. Is and again, like he, that guy reminds me of guys that I like saw growing up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and I I love um, I actually I actually grew up near GM plant. A lot of guys that I knew growing up used to work at a GM plant in Jersey. That oh, wow. actually got it got closed, and oh. it was the field the field where it was was cleared for years, and those guys <clears> got like. I remember like just hanging out with some of these guys, and they got they got like a buyout where they were like picking litter up and getting paid like fifty dollars an hour because of the contract uh, 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 that they had with sure. GM. It was like kind of like the end of they're like mm-hmm. GM has to pay them for another year, so they had these like all these like bullshit jobs, right? And um, but it was like that was like a staple of that area having that GM plant, yeah. And now it's a fucking Walmart. Wow. And yeah. I th- it, it's just funny because that like with this movie like it, it just makes me think of just being a kid and like no because i again like i worked on construction sites when i was a teenager in like in this mm-hmm. like the summer during college i would work you know for a month or two like i helped build a, a, a mall in new jersey and i worked in the um there's a oil refinery like the exxon oil refinery in, in jersey where i grew up and like i just was around these guys and i just remember like again i was like i was very conflicted because i was like i'd be like working real fast and they'd be like, listen, kid, we're trying to work here forever. We're not trying to be done with a job in a week. So there's right. a lot of shit where I was like, this is huh. bullshit. Like, you, you should try to work. You should try to do as good a job as you can do. And there was a lot of, like, people, like, people not taking pride in their work. Right. Which I thought was, like, dehumanizing in a way. It kind of uh-huh. it robs you of your, you know, like, your self-respect in a way. If, like, all your – because, like – Nine o'clock on the dot, we stop for coffee break, and twelve o'clock on the dot, we stop for lunch, and three fifteen on the dot, you fucking get the fuck out of there. But that's yeah. union work, man. What's that? That, yeah. that is that's what life working in unions like. I mean, no, I know you, it's just like it that but that part of it bothered me. Maybe because I was like young and like because yeah, you're a of, child, like, you don't get. Out I was of world romantic, works. and I was yeah, like, I want to go out and like conquer the world. <laughs> sure, yeah, right. But yeah. now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, like those guys, again, like my grandfather was able to come to this Same. country. Yeah, my grandpa's an immigrant from Italy, just like yours, yeah, right? Buy, and, you know, and not only buy his first work. house, but buy a beach house yep. and have a retirement well, plan and all that shit. Well, I don't know but, about, yeah, my nono definitely, uh, he was a union worker through and through. My uncle uh, took after him, did union work. Now he's he, now he works in offices, but back then when he was um, in his 20s. Uh, it was all construction, building shit in the city. My nono helped build Madison Square Garden. Uh, oh, wow. Well, yeah. Union construction worker. And uh, that was the thing. Like, like um, you know, it was all, you know, it, you know, it was hard work. It was blue-collar work. But there's something about it that they really did take care of their employees. And, and, and there is a piece of it in this movie, although everything's a, a bit corrupt, obviously. And the way the movie goes is pretty fucked up. But there's a... If you look at the movie now, this movie was made in 1978. We don't take care of workers the way that they just were expected to take care of workers in the late 70s, which is yeah. pretty wild. Pension <clears throat> plans, everyone was getting a certain amount of wage, everyone had a certain amount of break time. I mean, you're an Uber driver now, you don't even get benefits. Fuck that, right. you don't get shit, yeah. dude. Yeah. I mean, this gig economy that everyone's in, like 
I don't know. I'm just, especially now with the whole coronavirus thing, it's very interesting to me that, you know, unionized work is typically blue collar work, right? So the, the, the unions that still do exist, you know, maybe you're, you're in the electrician's union or something like that, or you fix elevators and things like that. But if you're just an office worker, which is, you know, like just like a white collar job, a lot of those people are getting laid off now slowly. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, man. Right. Really? Yeah. Damn, yeah, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. I'd love to get into that real quick if you don't mind. I mean, you no, I, I was going to say with a, a two in one thing, you know, Please. outside of Roger and me, which obviously uh, Blue Collar would make an amazing du uh, double feature. Yeah. With, but as far as like an updated dub double feature is uh, Ken Loach's latest film, Sorry We Missed You. It's literally about the downside of like gig, gig economy. Like yes. Okay. I got to see that. It's it's really good, and I did not to get the, the plug in early, but I, I recently wrote about it on my 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 site, Pinland Empire, because yeah. it was like I planned on writing about it. I wrote a few paragraphs here and there. It was the second to last movie I saw in the theater before like we were on lockdown, mm. and then I was working from home for like three weeks, and then at same month like like the start of that of that fourth week, you know, you get this note, th th this little like email. It's like, hey, we uh, we need to have a meeting, uh, uh, a Skype meeting with you, like my two supervisor. And I was like, oh. Okay. And then I remember something else being up because I emailed my uh, my design manager. I was I was up early working too. That's why I'm a little bitter. And I emailed her. I was like, hey, do you want it like this or do you want it like that? Like kind of thing. Like I was, it was like 8 a.m. and I was uh, working. And then she didn't respond. And I was like, that, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's oh, that's weird. weird why she wouldn't respond. And so then it was like a 15 minute meeting. Like, hey, we're letting you go. It was, it was on the 30th. So it was like one day left on my health insurance oh. and to me that's extra not to make it super personal but I, years ago i had a kidney transplant so i need health insurance for life because like just yeah. a, as an example one of just one of my anti-rejection meds uninsured is 1100 dollars a month which is insane Fuck. so anyway the little sentences and paragraphs i wrote about sorry we missed you turned into just like my bitter rage about being how i was let go so i just i wrote about that movie and now looking back i was like damn i could have thrown in a couple of uh lines or comparisons about um blue collar although in my review of sorry we missed you i compare it more to bicycle thieves but all of these movies bicycle thieves sorry we missed you blue collar all three of these movies and others about just the downside of working and, and that kind of shit. They all have these like gut punching endings, mm. just terrible endings. They're all mm -hmm. amazing movies and deserve to be mentioned in, in in the same breath. They're all equally good, but the, and the one thing they have in common is just the way they end. It's just like, uh, like and that's how I feel and that's how I felt like when I saw like the very and and not to give too much away, but like not to jump yeah. to the ending, but like in Blue Collar, I remember when the racial stuff started getting in because it's like because sometimes like depending on your 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 ethnicity your 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 background whatever you relate to a movie a certain way so up mm -hmm. until a certain point harvey Keitel was cool it's like oh he's got these two black friends everything's cool and then like he throws this racial slur out and you're just like oh man damn it yeah like yeah. i didn't like, see that well, you're disappointed because you're disappointed on a couple of us, like, damn, he had to go there. But two, it's also like, fuck, these guys were friends. Like, like yeah. take myself out of it. Like, you know, they're friends. And and that scene always reminds me of uh, The Killing, uh, in Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, because Timothy Carey's whole part, he's the one that has to snipe out. Um, he has, He's the one that, ha that has to shoot the horse. Mm. Um, and there's this scene throughout the... I don't know how well you know The Killing. Uh, no, Stanley Peter, Kubrick's do you know it? 
Uh, I just rewatched it what, a couple weeks ago. Okay. One of my all-time favorite. Yeah. Movies. So like, so there's that scene where like, with so Timothy, Timothy J. Carey, Carey yeah. he has to go on the stakeout and like the guy, the the, oh, the security the guard, guy, yeah. guy, he's black. And at first they start to like, oh, hey, we're both in the military, everything's cool. And then Timothy Carey doesn't mean it. He has to find a way to get this guy off his case. So he drops the end bomb. He doesn't yeah. mean it, but he's just like, I need to get this guy away from me. So I, I'm just making him think I'm racist. Mm. And it's a similar thing in blue collars. Just like, ah, damn, these guys are getting along. And then now it's just, it, it's very, it's like shit, you know, it really just kind of hits you in the gut. Dude, yeah. there's so many, so, there's so many things I, I want to. I have a, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, no, go, go ahead, ahead, Alex. Cause I'm well, I, like... have a, I have a question. Cause, cause, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting. I, we just had over 20 people get laid off literally. Uh, yesterday at my agency and uh i'm finding out it was brutal dude i had to tell um this associate who works with me uh she's from india they were going to mm -hmm. sponsor her visa all the paperwork was done she got picked in the lottery it was super like working out for her i was like backing her and you know she was gonna get she was in line for a promotion and right. they're they're fucking taking it all away man it, it, it ah, our client yeah. left our client left so um because our and the clients leaving it's like the worst timing ever for that to happen but i get it you know it's a resort client so we advertise for this resort company and i'm not going to say whatever who they are but sure. it's just they're feeling it right now no they're not open they're closed so they can't afford an advertising budget i get it but because that's who she works for she's 100 percent allocated to that client yeah. they are not going to sponsor her visa she has we have 90 days left on the contract and then basically she's gonna have to like Man. go back to india and i had to, i had to deliver that fucking news to her Shit. which was oh that's the worst it was brutal but also like i didn't agree with any of the decisions they made so like yeah. i'm just like the whole time Damn. like on her side trying to st i'm still trying to fight it anyway the whole thing is is like i i don't even know how safe my job is this stuff is going to yeah. affect me very soon um yeah. luckily i work on another client so we'll see and then i don't want to bore anyone with the details but dude by july it could it could very well be up for me depending on how things yeah. go here and, and see and when i hear stories like that it's kind of like oh i shouldn't complain too much i like i don't give too much of my info away but it's like i'm I, it's like this is one of the few times in life where it's like and let me be clear i'm definitely collecting unemployment good, but without good, unemployment i am in a position where it's just like okay I have a cushion for a couple of months. I don't have to worry too much. But now that I have unemployment, and also surprising how easy it was, it was? In, the mid, in the midst of Corona. So by day 10, I got my first payment direct deposit from signing up to the te wow. day 10. Yes, it was the easiest thing ever. Oh, that's um, great. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, but when I hear situations like that, it's like I'm still mad for myself, but it's like there's even worse, you know, like there's people, you know, there's people who are way worse off. Who there's got all, let go, it's, that's the like, thing. Ah. It's it. And, and and not that you totally have a, a reason to feel fucking awful or or, yeah. or angry at the same time. I, I genuinely don't, you know, they don't they don't take care of their they give you one day with health insurance. Like at least my yeah. company, I will say this, they are extending health insurance for th for three oh, months thank God. after. Oh, that's awesome. So there is a yeah. I, and I don't know how they did that. I don't know if they made a deal with the health that's, insurance guy. I have no idea. But they sure. made they they made that clear. So the people that are getting that's laid good. off at least have that and um but Cobra anyway is no like, joke i've had to pay for cobra twice yeah. in life cobra it's, is it's so expensive not fun. Right? Yeah. well there's some like crazy entry thing and depending on what year it goes up but it's like 200 and something dollars to entry thing and then it's like 500 something a month 
until uh, you get, you know, empl- you know, until yeah. you make some sort of uh, what is it called? I don't even know those insurance terms. The deductibles, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, no, no, well, no, like at work, and 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 I've learned that this is nonsense too, because one place I work completely waived it, but like, oh no, it's like this trial period. So the uh, standard thing, a lot of jobs, like some are sixty days, but most are ninety days, where you have to wait for health insurance to kick in. So that yeah. though, when I go from when I've gone from job to job uh, in in the past, I have to get Cobra to be covered because the new job won't cover you until three until three, three months in. Gotcha. Yeah, That's and stuff. you have that serious yeah. condition, you can't risk it. Right. Actually, no, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's, I have such a, like a complicated, like work and jobs and what people do is like something I think about all the time. And I think like <clears> the last, I haven't had a quote unquote real job in two years. And that job, the guy started, like I left my job to start with him. He then delayed my start time. Oh. And I was like, I was like, listen, man, I, I'm out of work now. Cause you asked me to leave my last job. He was so, ca- yeah. and then he was like real cavalier about my health insurance. And then he let me go for quote unquote financial reasons. It was going to give me like one week severance. And I'm like, remember at the start where I didn't start for three weeks because you yeah. asked me to delay my start time because you weren't to help you out. Right. Like, I need you to help me out. But um, I would like the thing with like labor too. It's like I, I do think and there's a lot of like conflicting stories about because it's funny because the, the 70s is a very specific period for this because. Unions got very strong, and it's, you know yeah. the Irish. The Irishman is is a lot about this. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. in a lot yeah, of ways, is. labor is the victims of their own success because they got mm. a lot of concessions. I remember when I was a kid, dude, my dad was getting prescriptions for two dollars. Wow! And going to the doctor, like the copay was five, whatever it was, it was not a yeah. lot of money. And you know, as that boomer generation got older and started mm. retiring, dude, the the union. Well, my dad was in his forties and fifties in the union. All the other laborers were 40 and 50. There yeah. weren't 21-year-olds mm-hmm. going in to, to pay into the system, to pay into the retirement fund. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So there is that. And and what and what happened with GM, the GM plant? It got too expensive to pay all those guys in Jersey, so they moved the plant to Mexico. Like that's mm-hmm. literally what happened. But at the same time, also like a little the little reading I've done about China, like we started to both sides, Democrats and Republicans, went to China in the 70s and were like, we basically want you guys, we, we want to export our manufacturing here. Mm-hmm. And they set it up in China because so that they could basically get slave wages yeah. in China yeah. and not pay people to to do the work. And, you know, I, I was like listening to something about Henry Ford and like Henry, I always bring up, there's this one essay that I always bring up and it got turned into a book, but you don't really need to read the book because the essay tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. It's called um, shop craft. It, it's, it's called uh, shop class as, as soul craft. And it's this mm. guy who was, he was a PhD who got a job working at a think tank and he's sitting in the think tank going, this sucks. And he was a motorcycle repairman as a kid and as a college student. And he's like, you know what? He goes, I was told that if you're smart and you want to like really do a lot of deep thinking, get, you know, study in school and get an education. He goes, I did more thinking as a motorcycle repairman than I do as as literally working at a think tank. So he went and opened his own shop. And the whole point of the essay is how we in this country are taught to downplay like manual competency and that what you really a mark of success is to get the office job and do the spreadsheets. And we right. wonder why people are are miserable because at the end of the day, they don't even have a, a like a, a work. That they, yeah, there's no <laughs> like show. A real, 
product. I remember, I remember yeah. being in college, yep. and then yeah. I went. Yeah, to, that's how I, I feel. My grandfather told me become a lawyer because those guys don't do work. Mm. And then I went and worked at a law firm, and these guys were doing 15 hours a day. They were killing themselves. Yeah, but they were miserable because my grandfather, what he meant by work is digging a hole outside in the cold. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. he didn't want that for me. He wanted me to wear a tie and sit in an office. But to him, that was not work. Work is what you did with your hands, you yeah. know? So that's why I'm, I mean, I'm, I probably like romanticize it more too, but like I just spent the last year like helping my family build a house and seeing guys like literally, you know, it was a drawing. It was a, it was a, a set of plans. And now mm -hmm. there's a, a structure that I can walk inside of and live inside of. Yeah, well, that's that, my to, line that of work. to me is yeah. a fucking work is is a I, work of art. So I was gonna ask uh, Marcus, what yeah. uh, do you mind saying, like what industry you were working in, and and oh yeah, know. the the the, the design, specifically furniture design. I, I oh. design and draw uh, office spaces, uh, interiors, furniture, but specifically it, it it's AutoCAD, which kind of like in my world is is the trade. Like that's why when this whole thing's over. Mm -hmm. The fact that I know AutoCAD and have been using it since 12, so thank God to my junior high school for incorporating it, and also other drawing programs and, and 3D rendering programs. Like Dude, I know wait, them all, so it looks so, good on a rendering. Sorry it looks to, good on a resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Uh, excuse my complete ignorance. What What is Auto AutoCAD? What it's is like it? archi it's architectural drafting, but on the computer. And you had that in high school? Junior high school. Wow. So 1993 wait. is when I first we had it in my grade. school. And I, I regret, I love architecture and I love design. And one of my great regrets is that I never studied it in school. Wow. Everything, like everything, everything Peter was saying earlier resonated with me so much because it's like, I'm learning now from my friends who have kids. Like one of my friends, you know, he has a 10 year old and a couple of my friends have like five and six year olds and, and stuff like that. And you learn that there's like, like shop class is like a myth. To kids now who are like 20 and 21 but like no yep. like we had a full my high school had like multiple cars in the school like there was a real shop class there was a real yeah. woodworking class there was home ec and they don't and, and they, they don't have that i mean they, I'm they don't 28. have gym class they, i'm they 28 gym. i didn't have it i'm yeah, 28 see, years old yeah like yeah. i thought like everyone like who was it uh my um just when you meet folks who are who are younger than you, and like something like Saved by the Bell comes up, and and then like they <laughs> yeah. make a joke, and they're just like they didn't have actual cars in high school. It's like yeah, we did. We had three cars. We had the 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 thing that goes up and down. We had, we worked on cars. We did wood, wood shop class, and it's like my uncle to this day. He he said everything that Peter said. He was just like not everyone needs to go to college like right away. Imagine like you're 18 out of high school, and you could be making good money. By the time you're 21, but there's like society kind of things like no manual labor, hard labor. Oh, it's not good. But it's like there, there's a lot of protect like unions and, and other things mm -hmm. like there's a lot of protection there. But, and people don't really look into that where it's like if if you don't go to college, you're made to feel like you're kind of a loser. It's this unspoken. And sometimes it's, it's actually spoken outright. Yeah. And, you know, so. Yeah, everything like my uncle to this day says that he's just like they got rid of home ec. They got rid of shop. They got rid of, you know, wood shop class. Like it, it's important to have a trade to be able to, to do something just in case the office job that doesn't work out. You know, what's 100%. funny with what's, ha what's happening now. And I, I'm like obsessed with like uh, HGTV shows. There's like hometown. There's flipper flop. Like property brothers, like, all that stuff. Yeah. And, and people like there is this kind of newfound like, you know, everybody now if people are baking fucking bread. Yeah. And like it's easy oh, it's to make fun of that. Yeah. But yeah. those are skills that like. 
Like, I wish my grandmother would have taught us how to do all this shit. Like, they yeah. were the re- they're survivors because they know how to survive. Like, they know how to do shit. Yep. And especially in New York City, like, you could pay somebody to wipe your ass in this town. The sure. amount of people in this town who don't know basic, like, func- how to function like a human being because they are constantly paying other people to do stuff, to yeah. me, is ridiculous. And it, there's yeah. a weird attitude of, like, only certain people should have certain skills. Why not learn skills? Like, it doesn't mean if you know how to fix a car, you're not an auto mechanic. Yeah. You're just somebody who knows how your car works. Like, yeah. Why not yeah. know how the the giant machine that you have that you own that's really expensive? Like, why not know some rudimentary facts I about agree. how it like, works? Like, imagine right now, I mean, Manhattan, maybe not so much, but plenty of parts in Brooklyn, definitely parts of Queens and obviously Staten Island. Like, if you're in a position where it's like, oh, maybe I lost my job or mm-hmm. – I don't have money, enough money to buy groceries as regularly. It's just like a lot of the, a lot of those outer borough, th- those boroughs have places where you don't have to own a home. Like I've had apartments before where I had a front yard or a backyard. And it's just like, imagine if you knew how to, I mean, this one thing I don't know how to do, but it's like, imagine if you know how to grow tomatoes yep. and grow, especially not it's, it's April. Like this was, this is kind of like, you know, March, April, May, like this is actually the time to do it where that kind of stuff would be flourishing. You know what I'm so saying? And a lot of it's funny go. you bring that up. Cause you're, yeah, I mean, absolutely. you're, I, I belong to a community garden here in uh, Spanish Harlem. Oh, so awesome. I, I'm oh, waiting awesome. Awesome. because I was supposed to get I was supposed to be assigned a plot now and now it's being delayed because of the garden is technically closed. And I'm so right. frustrated because if I had a plot, I could just go in there and start planting. But I did last year do some planting and nice. I because I grew up on a farm in Jersey for part of my life. And nice. I've been talking to my brother about maybe maybe it's time for us to just start planting shit and getting more animals and like making our own food. Like if that really that. is what it comes to, like <clears throat> yeah. so be it. But um, I just I do want to say like because you you brought up your website and stuff like so in case anybody you know didn't listen to the last time you were on and they should when we talked about raising Arizona that was great a episode amazing yeah, one of my episode. favorites like I found Marcus through Twitter like I one of my obsessions is I want to be part of film oh, Twitter yeah, it's so funny Peter wants so bad to be I want to be like a film movie Twitter guy, guy, you know I want to be in that in that world and you're you know I started following you and like Marcus does this amazing thing where he you do like shot for shot comparisons from film to film and great. how like fil- different Marcus films is a great follow other. on Twitter, if on you Twitter. Oh, thank you I appreciate yeah. that yeah. I, and, I, mean, um, I was talking to my mom just side note my mom follows you on Twitter Marcus no way. yeah oh. she was like oh Marcus you're having Marcus on I was like oh, oh wow. you know Pinland Empire yeah yeah <laughs> and <laughs> what's to funny God. to me is that and I, I think I sent you a message this is like because you like you, you know you casually throw out a reference to Dead Zone which is one of my favorite fucking movies so we like we connect on that level and yeah. I think I, I think I sent you a message where it's like you posted a bunch of movies, like stills from movies that were really significant to you. And literally one of them is Heat, which is my favorite movie of all time. And the rest I didn't even recognize. Okay. So right. I love that we have like connections on certain movies. I think you said that. You said yeah, that. Yeah, and there's yeah, other, yeah, movies, and there's other movies yeah, where yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't even know what the fuck this guy's talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're the I, only I love guest that, you know? that ever stumps Peter too. Like, I mean, it's oh, wow. it's really rare. Well, I'm more. I think your I think your tastes are a little bit more avant garde than my are. I'm well, I always pretty... have to, my, my 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 wife says the same thing. There, there's there's for me there's not much of a middle. You'd be surprised of the middle stuff. The, and I'm not saying that status wise that I don't know, but like the weird avant garde stuff to like not so much trashy, but just like anything like. 
Happy Madison, Broken Lizard, like all sure. like all that stuff. I'm, I respect that stuff just as much as I do like Tarkovsky. Like, I, and, and that's mm-hmm. like why, I mean, he's also one of my best friends, but the shows that he was in America, like that, that's our whole shtick. It's like, we love Van Damme movies just as much as we love Tarkovsky movies. But you know, so so yeah, so that's. It's funny. Like I, I stumbled my, upon my, my Hard Target right after the. Uh, the nice. The, it was right after the uh, the lockdown happened, and I was like, oh, this is a movie that I missed. And oh yeah, you see it before. It was both of us. Reason, a lot, there's a lot of amazing shit in that. Movie. Well, that movie, for yeah. whatever reason, was so comforting to me in the first couple of days of the lockdown that I watched it three times in a row. Nice. It's it was something those, like so yeah. soothing about it, which there's is weird. About it's not Van, a, yeah, Van Damme movies have that. Like I could watch. Could I have maybe not recently, but I've watched Lionheart stopped and then just watched it like all, all, all over again. Growing up, sometimes you didn't have to because it was on TNT a lot yeah, yeah. Uh, in the nineties. But um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, yeah. I think I mean my like my my movie taste is I think it's pretty square. Like I don't. There's nothing on there where yeah. See, I, but as, I might as be you... more. I might be more enthusiastic about certain things than other people are, and I might be less enthusiastic yeah. th- about certain things. But I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm particularly like yeah. cutting I, I edge on government. Uh, see, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to bash film Twitter, but like when you said that thing, I want to be part of film Twitter. The, the reason why I kind of winced at that is like because the more I get to know some of these like film critics who, and I, I hate making things about age because I just don't like doing it, but sometimes it is what it is. And sometimes older folks are literally out of touch too. Yeah. But you learn like certain like respected film critics now who are in their twenties, you'll see them tweet like, you know, I don't like to sound like the old man, but like they'll, they'll be like about to watch Godfather for the first time, or it's like about to watch Taxi Driver for the first time. And it's not, that, let me be clear. You don't have to like the, those movies, but just, I just feel like, and maybe this is me being an uppity, but from like a film critic journalistic standpoint, there's a there's there's a bit of history there. So it's kind of like why would like forget like you have to see this movie. But it's kind of like if you're going to write about let's just say you're going to write it. Let, let me be basic. If you're going to write about the Irishman, but yeah. you haven't seen a lot of Scorsese movies. Yeah, sure. You can write about it at face value. But I think it makes a, a critique and a review more when you have a lot of more things to reference from. Or yeah, like there's a lot of and not not to take it what I do. I'm totally silly with some of my comparisons, but a lot of it it's like if you can see my books, a lot of it it's like between the books I read and just a simple director's commentary track where so many directors are like, oh, I wanted to rip this scene off from such and such, which is why sometimes I get testy when like someone would be like, oh that ref- oh that's bullshit. Actually, no, the director said it himself. So it's kind of like f- film Twitter can sometimes be really like pretentious and mm. and like they, they they they'll look to, almost just like the conversation we had where it's just like learn a trade like because that's important like they'll look down on movies like all oh, this movie like like how what some people say about scorsese like like that that, that exposes a lot of p- people themselves and then and then i'll 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 go down a rabbit hole and it's like, okay, you're 26 years old. So that's why you said that. And it'll be like, oh, Scorsese, he made another mob movie. And it's like, and we're talking, all right, we're at almost year 60. There's five legit mob movies. Right. One, of them, one of them's a little debatable. So it's like, what are you talking about? And I feel like, and then to me, I raised this question on in a tweet once and everyone ignored it. And it's just like, I think that resonated. I feel like if you see Italian American last names, you just assume there's like a mob. And then, then then there's a little bit of bigotry there too. I think just because you see Robert De Niro, Scorsese's name on a movie 
oh, it's a mob movie. It's like actually King of like what King of Comedy, Cape Fear. Like none of that's like not mob. a mob movie. Like De Niro doesn't even play in Italian like in any of them. Exactly. You're just seriously. He's he's half Irish in you know Goodfellas. He's all Irish in The Irishman. You know what I'm saying? He's right. Jewish in Casino. Like there's so many. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people t- t- uh, they, they they tell themselves a lot. I have a I have a question for you. Do you think oh. that the pretentiousness? I mean. First of all, I'll say something. You can tell me if you agree. I think that the reason why um, maybe Twitter in general and and specifically like film Twitter, uh, the pretentiousness rises to the top because like a controversial thing to say is is easier to get behind. Like you really you really want to retweet someone's opinion that you hard agree with but if someone just says i like the godfather nobody's really going to retweet that but if someone says i don't like the godfather and here's why like it's just more juicy and more shareable and and i think that's got to be part of it but then also i was going to ask you do you think politics at all plays into sort of the lack of respect for certain types of maybe maybe some classic films. Yes, but then even that goes into, well, yes, like, so for example, like, um, I'll just throw out the, like, directors who, like, maybe as people didn't have the best reputation, everyone from Hitchcock to Woody Allen, Yep. you see a lot of, like, comments where it's just like, oh, he was an abuser, he's terrible to women, I'm not watching this movie, and it's kind of like, the best I can say, it's like, fine, I'm not gonna, fine, but it's like, you are closing yourself off to a lot of great art. I understand, you know, some people don't want I'm to separate you, the art from the art. Fine. But then, but, but then my, my whole thing is why this becomes a whole web of stuff is that it's like, then it becomes really selective because the same specific people who hate Hitchcock, who hate Woody Allen will be like, you know, oh, the, then they'll tweet something by like, you know, Miles Davis. And it's like, you know, Miles Davis was really shitty to like sure. the, the women who he, he, he was abusive. So, and yeah. it's kind of like, so where do we draw the line? And, right. and then, it, and then it becomes like, it's too exhausting to draw the line. So the best thing you can do, it's just like the way I look at it. Uh, uh, a good, a uh, good friend of mine was like a, a most recent example was just like, so the whole, like with Manchester by the sea. Oh yeah. Casey Affleck. Yep. Casey Affleck stuff actually came up again because when it first happened in 2010, you know, it was an issue. And then, you know, my, my friend worded it the best. He was just like, all right, fine. If you don't like Casey Affleck, okay. But it's not like he didn't write the movie. He didn't direct the movie. He didn't play every role in the movie. Right. He wasn't like the cinematographer. He, he wasn't the boom. My guy, like there's so many people involved in it. And just because of one guy who may or may not have did something like, like you're just going to, disregard this and side note manchester by the sea is so good and and there, right. but there's so many examples of that so it just yeah it can get messy if, if you wanted to it's one of those things if you want to go down that road fine or and me like there's certain people filmmaker actors it's a little and eh, but with like filmmakers and writers who personally like i know about their personal life i don't necessarily like or want to support but i'm not going to tweet about it. i'm not going to stand on a high i'm just gonna Maybe not watch it and just not and just and, and that's that. It's not yeah, gonna you, be you like you can just not watch something. You and don't have right. to and, and don't have to announce it to everyone. Yeah. It's just kinda like just then then do, do your part and just right. be like you know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. Totally, totally my, I Marcus, I, my answer to that ahead. is I agree with everything you said and it's really easy for you to say it in the middle of film Twitter where you are. So I wish I could I could say the same stuff while also being like in the center. But it, it's funny because I fair. it's like yeah. um I think it's kind of like uh, with Picasso where people look at like the later Cubist stuff and go, oh, I could do that. But they don't realize that Picasso could draw 
perfectly. Like he was a draftsman before. So people don't want to learn like the early stages of being a crafts person before they want to History's jump important. to history yes. is important yeah. and people yeah. look at history people associate history with school and then they it becomes like uh, like i i and that i kind of understand too it's like lawrence of Arabia, like you know if you don't want to see citizen kane like sometimes yeah. the, the 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 reputation that's put on these movies it feels like an like a parent Right. Like, and then immediately you want to rebel like against it. But it's sometimes just from historical history is important. Especially it, history and art. Facts. History it, in, a, in a particular absolutely. form of art. It's absolutely it truly is, you know, uh any present day form of, of whatever art you're talking about, you are yeah. standing on shoulders. You absolutely yeah. are. There's just no denying that. So yeah. like yeah, like in comedy, I mean I don't think anything I've ever seen from Lenny Bruce is is funny, really. But I definitely will never be like you know, disrespectful for that, for what it meant to comedy, because without it, exactly. it wouldn't exactly. be what exactly. it is today. Exactly. So like, exactly. that's to be like, Oh, like I'm edgy. Cause I don't think Lenny Bruce was good, which no one would say that, but whatever. That's like uh, an analogy to like, maybe I'm edgy as a film critic. Cause I don't think uh Godfather was good or, or Goodfellas is good. Like, it's just like, there's a, there's a lack of reverence. And then also a lack of understanding that is just, obvious to to anyone who who does you know recognize the greatness of of certain yeah well it's like it's like with stand-up now like like louis ck and and like dennis miller like people who say like i hate when comedians are like oh i never thought dennis miller was funny it's always comedians i I hate uh, it's like come on you're inside like you're part of the tribe so don't attack Somebody who's in the tribe to like I, that's, one, that's one of my things too. Is just like I mean maybe because I'm Sicilian, it's like don't talk about the family outside the family. That's very that's so Italian. Sure. Fucking so sauce same thing with like if you're if you're a filmmaker, <laughs> like you're in that community. That's your tribe. Don't attack. And it, and it's funny because this kind of takes us back to blue collar because the thing that's so brilliant in like how the characters are manipulated, it, it basically tells you what's going to happen is that. There, they, the whatever the whatever the beast is, whether it's the the auto factory or it's the government or it's you know whatever that that monster is, it's always going to try to turn people against one another. Yeah, but you know the whole thing. Don't go against the fan. My thing is like, oh, it's mine isn't so much that. It's like talk your shit before their downfall. Yes. It's not about, I, I don't know if I'll respect or not respect you, but it's just like, say you don't like this. Like, that's why there's like, like, mm. uh, well, he is funny to me, but also as far as integrity goes, like a guy like Jim Norton is someone who like, but this just comes from years of listening to Opie and Anthony and watching Tough Crowd and all stuff. I'm so, right like, there with you, man. He, I mean, Jim Norton's like the biggest open book. So he's someone who I know how he feels about certain people. And, you know, rest in peace, like a guy like Patrice O'Neill, yes. who's someone like, he spent so, like from, it's so funny, like, because when The Hangover got big and stuff, he was, like, one of the biggest trash talkers about yes. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. He did not stand <laughs> yeah. Zach Galifianakis. Yes. And he made it known while he was alive. So it's one of those he things, did. like, cool. I, I wish I, – a lot of people wish he, he was alive. Now. God, so I wish like, he was here to speak to this to, well, today. Norm, Norm MacDonald yeah. has a great, like, long bit about uh, – he goes, you know – he goes, a friend of mine, when the Cosby thing came out, he goes, you know what the worst thing is? Is the hypocrisy. Yeah. And he goes, well, yeah. no, I'd say the rape was the worst thing, <laughs> and then maybe, and then maybe That's the funny. lying about the rape, you know, and, you know, is maybe being hypocritic, 
a hypocrite is way down on the list. That's yeah. the worst. You know, maybe it's the 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 holding the chloroform to knock the girl out, <laughs> and maybe very you know, Norman Norman Chuck, like, that's such a he goes, no, the hypocrisy. It's like no, no, no. It's like the raping is the worst part, and that's really what gets people. It's like because because people there there is like a a pagan aspect where you you create these gods. Yeah, out of some of these yeah. artists. So whenever yeah. that artist lets you down, then you have to. It's like you're. It's like finding out that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Like yeah. you have to like, because then it's you're exposing yourself right. for liking the thing. My my rule of thumb is because I just went back and I um Chinatown is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. So anything that Roman Polanski did before the rape is okay. Anything after the rape, I feel not comfortable with. So do you really feel like, that way though? What's that? Do you really feel that way though? Yeah. So Kobe Bryant to me is too important. So I have to like Kobe. I have to like put. What do you mean? Aside, like he he as a figure to me of like from my childhood yeah. was so important that I have to compartmentalize like the rape accusations and Michael Jackson. Like Thriller is so important to me that I just assume that anything bad that he may have done came after Thriller, so I don't deal with that, but, like, Thriller is is okay. But that's what I'm talking about. I understand, yeah. but it just gets too, like, it, it just becomes too much to think, like, oh, yeah. when was it? Like, I just, it, it's so hard for yeah, me and to, a lot of, listen, I, a lot I, of I, Yeah, I'm not to, really, to do that. I'm not really with like, you on Because you either. said, like, I haven't liked uh, many Polanski movies since, but then I think, like, 2010, The Ghost Rider, that movie is really, really, it was in my top ten. Of 2000, it there was my best. It was, it. it was almost the shortlist of the decade. Yeah, it's like this crazy cast. It's like you know uh, Jim Belushi and Pierce Brosnan and and Ewan McGregor and um, oh gosh uh, Kim Cattrall. Like it's this it's this crazy cast of of folks. Oh, who's the, who's the, who's the guy from um, Good the Bad and the Ugly? Um, oh, um, not Eli Wallace. Yeah, Eli Wallach has like a random. No, yes, Eli Wallach has a has a random scene in in uh in the Ghost Rider. It's like a great movie, but then it's like shit when you look like factually what he did and the freedom he was given. Any yeah. other normal person on trial, it's like no, you're being remanded. But it's like I think I'm well, not only that, but they and, gave and him an o- they gave him an Oscar, and all those people stood up. And cheered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. those, all those Hollywood yeah. people that would later, you know, talk about sure. Me Too and whatever, w- literally got up on their on their feet and, and cheered him. But why Sorry. can't you recognize that there's a hypocrisy and that also that like you know bad people can make good art? Yeah. Like I just I, yes. I don't. They, they I, can. I, and they I do. They do. Yeah, they do all the time. Almost like, exclusively. I, a yeah. Lot of the times. I mean, a lot they're of times they're often <laughs> at least egocentric. You know, like uh, it's yeah. very I mean, going few, back, like um, mm-hmm. you know um. Uh, Caravaggio is one of my favorite painters. The guy he killed a guy. Like he was on, yeah. he was go. on the he was on the run for most of his life, like running from the police. I mean, and, and it's funny because a lot of this stuff used to be hidden. I was just telling somebody like back in the day, Clark Gable when he was first starting out killed somebody with his car, and oh, a I didn't low know level that. like a Matthew low level, uh, a low yeah. level like studio executive. I bring that up as often as I can. Go a low level studio exec went to jail because Clark Gable was too important. To the studio. Oh shit! I didn't. I feel like that's something I should have known. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's wow. a that, that's a famous like Hollywood story. Like a lot of this stuff just wouldn't get out back in the day. Well, I take and, it to Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader is a guy who a lot of these. You know, I, I don't want to make this about film Twitter, but a lot of these like mm-hmm. younger film Twitter folks discovered Paul Schrader, the director, through First Reformed. 
and they loved it. And then they go back and like, oh, and then he wrote Raging Bull, and, wrote, and it's just like from his writing to just like his own personal views to the fact that like you know he still says Oriental to like describe mm. an Asian person. It's just oh, like yes. I feel like if, if some of these people knew who Paul Schrader, like Paul Schrader is the kind of guy who like like. He'd like insult these young kids. He'd call them wusses and like, I don't want to be around you. I don't want you to like to like my movie. It's similar to John Cassavetes. Like John Cassavetes, like his first couple of movies that were like, um, well, the ones that he claimed, like Shadows and stuff. Folks in Europe loved it because they were just like, oh, this is like French New Wave but American, and he's not like these regular Americans. And then when he started going out to do like tours, like him and Ben Gazar and Peter Falk, they were just these loud, obnoxious drunk Americans and there's so many stories about these like European film cinephile folks meeting them for the first time and being disappointed because they had it it's like oh he makes these movies that are scored by Charles Mingus and they're super artsy but then as soon as you know Falk and Gazzara and Cassavetes get to France or Germany they're just like where's the liquor where's the beer like ah and they're just like oh we thought we didn't think you were like this we thought you were a different American which I actually love but I actually do love that by, by the way I but, do too and again as someone who like who's comes from Europeans who but like but poor Europeans that were not like they were yeah like yeah, yeah that, well that's a yeah there, and going back class. there I always there love the like ugly American stereotype because I think like because they because like because European sophistication is so like nihilistic like and I always say like, I the thing the thing about Italy is like they, they and it's funny because what's happened in the last like couple months, but this is going back as far as I was when I was a kid. They don't have any hope for the future, so they just spend their money on shoes and sunglasses and new self. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah, their, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. their sophistication is born out of nihilism because yeah. if they were hopeful for the future, they would be buckling down and working and starting businesses and having kids. Yeah. And instead, they're getting new pair of sunglasses every week because they got nothing else to look forward to. And right. it's funny how like Italy now is in even worse shape. Yeah. Uh, and this, this is my experience from 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And now even in more so that's the case. So I always, I always liked, and, and it's funny cause we, I know it was, I was thinking like, you know, Schrader started out as a film critic who became a filmmaker and yeah. same thing with like the French, the French guys, like a lot of them, a lot of French new cinema. Yeah. And they, they championed, lowbrow what was considered lowbrow american movies hitchcock and westerns and stuff like that john Ford, so, oh they love john ford yeah and i love and i've been Nicholas on a real Ray. i've been yeah. on a real tarantino kick lately and i think it's because well one because i mean i loved um once upon a time in hollywood it's a movie that i didn't i didn't love right away but i couldn't stop thinking about it for six months after i'd seen it right and so now since then I'm, and it's funny because you know roman polanski plays a part in that movie yeah and you know, when, when when Pulp Fiction came out, it was such a, like, foundational thing for me where it's, like, all my movie experience and knowledge kind of, like, that's, like, sort of the center of my, like, movie universe in a way because it, how old I was and seeing it in the theater and what it meant to me at the and, time. So I, I, I have to grapple with Tarantino always. Yeah. And so now, like, I've been on a... I'm the same exact way. And I've been a, on a kick with... um. I was listening to an interview with him and he said that, you know, he, they're like, where did you learn how to write dialogue? He goes from Elmore Leonard and David Mamet. And I already right. loved Leonard and I love Mamet anyway. So I was like, now I'm going back to Mamet and Leonard because of Tarantino. And yeah. he, and I found a clip where he's talking about how Rosemary's Baby is basically a perfect movie, which also with John Cassavetes. And so I'm going back and like rewatching Rosemary's Baby. And it's like, to me, like that's like, I don't watch a movie I mean, I, I can just enjoy a film for itself, but I love 
all the different tangents that a given movie yeah. can can lead you down. You know? I was the same way. I always felt two side note. There really need to be not use the exact names, but like it would be a di- even if it's like a like like you know like a fictional movie about just the situation that Polanski and Casavetes were in during Rosemary's Baby because this is super rare and they're both competitive people where it's like Rosemary's Baby was up for these Oscars but John Casavetes was in the movie and at the same time he was making Faces and then Faces became an Oscar contender too so it's like you're directing your competition I always found that weird how like yeah because it didn't take that long to make a movie like Faces you you know they they shot I mean it took months to make but it's like it was shot most of it was shot in cast of Venice and Jenna Rollins' house, so it's like you, know, you have this movie, and then the lead actor is also on the side directing a movie that went on to get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Screenplay, and like one other thing, and then like Roman Polanski afterwards, he was like the year after he was quoted, he, he said Faces wasn't a movie, it was just like a, it felt more like a side experiment, you know, than a movie, and all, all that kind of it, it was like this weird unspoken rivalry, but It's funny, because anyway. there's, there's, a, there's a thing on YouTube that, and I never really like listened to Roman Polanski speak mm-hmm. and there's a whole like Criterion thing on YouTube about uh, Rosemary's Baby, and he's talking about and I was, I was waiting to hear him talk about Cassavetes, and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I didn't have a good experience with him, he goes he just wanted to improvise and play around and like I wanted things to be precise and exact and yeah, it's and he goes thing. um yeah. he said uh John Cassavetes like he didn't like the clothes and he wanted to wear sneakers and so basically when he was wearing sneakers his performance was good and when he wasn't wearing sneakers he was really difficult to deal uh, that's with funny. yeah that's it's funny it's such a funny fucking thing he's one of the best guys to read about too two books uh accidental um Accidental Genius and Casavetes on Casavetes are two two of my favorite uh, f- film books because yeah, John Casavetes was very he was many accounts difficult to work with, but he knew it. It wasn't like he was you know uh, I- I- ignorant to the fact he knew how difficult of a person he, he was. Yeah, and there, there's other like um, a very great cinematographer, but he's a very he's not like a jazzy move to uh, Caleb Deschanel you know, who shot like the natural and, and, and the right stuff and all that stuff. He was the original cinematographer on uh Woman on uh Woman of the Influence. And that movie was kind of all over the place. So like they'd set up, we're gonna shoot here, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do that. And then like the day of Cassavetes would like change his mind. And Caleb Deschanel, who came from these like he's multi Oscar nominated, like like I just said, the natural and the right stuff and and and, and those kind of movies like He's like, I can't work like this. It's like I need this to be that, and then they, and then they had this huge blow up, and then they, he left the movie. But just, yeah, I always um, am fascinated by stories about two people who kind well, of well, going clash. from like high to low. Like you brought up T- Timothy J. Carey, who was also like a famously really difficult person. A cast of Tarantino, regular. Tarantino wanted to cast him uh, in Reservoir Dogs, but he was he was either he might have been sick at that point, but he he was just not. He Probably. was going to be played the, the Lord, he 90s, was going to play yeah. the the uh, Lawrence Tierney part in oh, Reservoir wow. Dogs. Oh wow! And um, he uh, Timothy J. Carey did three Columbos, which I've been going back and watching Columbos. And there's a Columbo where John Cassavetes plays the murderer. Yeah, oh, that's, they, oh, that's one of the good ones. Peter yeah, Falk yeah. were, well, were well, good friends. Well, great ones, yeah. And uh, it's I I lo- again, and that's that, that to me that comes from Tarantino because Tar- I don't know if you're going like. Um, he, Tarantino's been going back and like reviewing old movies and putting it oh, on. Has the, he? Oh, has yeah, uh, it's, it's on the New Beverly website. Oh, wow. And he said he, he doesn't want to review new movies because he doesn't want like his colleagues 
to think that he's like dogging any of the new Understood. movies that are coming out. No, so he's going sense. back and he's doing like uh, uh, Coogan's Bluff and like he's doing movies from the 70s and he's doing he's even doing TV shows. So nice. he's doing like episodes of TV shows that he remembers being particularly good. Wow. And again, it's like I just love that that mix of like high and low. Like that that comes from to me that I learned that from Tarantino. Yeah, that's yeah. where and I and I love that. And again, it's like in a in a weird way for me. Like I grew up the the the, the characters in the movie Blue Collar. Those guys in real life are more. I'm more connected to that than the artists making that as a piece of art, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I thought like my own like self limitation was I come from this world. So I have to prove myself that I belong the same way. I want to prove myself and be in film Twitter. I was like, I have to prove myself as an artist because I come from the world of these guys, these, right. these workers. And it's funny to me. Cause it's like, the more I step back and look at it, it's like, well, no, well, look, these artists, they're making art about the guys that I know growing up. The same way, yeah. like, like famously Scorsese, um, who was it that told Scorsese, like, all right, you, you're making shit. Why don't you go make a movie that you really. John Cassavetes said that. That there you care go. about, right? And that's how yeah. me, and that's how me. No, John Cassavetes is the one. Yeah, he, so showed, so he showed him box, I, I, Boxcar Bertha. And then he was like, what is this? This is shit. He's like, don't make, you know, like, why did you, you spent all this time making this movie and it's a piece of shit. And then. Yeah, and then Mean Streets is what came in. It was Cassie yeah, so it's like it's it's an interesting thing that like really the the poetry and the art kind of goes back to that re that real stuff. It's not yeah. it's not because again like in my mind as a kid I had this like this notion of like some kind of higher level where you get to be an artist and you belong to like a cast that was you know like like literally like like Greek gods and it's like no it's the guys who are wor working with their hands like they're literally craftsmen making this stuff and that, well, that's what i'm saying so like for example there's like in the film commu community there are certain people that are needed it's like so take a movie like blue collar it's like so it throughout this show you said like you like guys this movie like you know guys like this you work with guys like this you've literally worked with, like similar jobs that are in this movie so when it comes to like let's just say a review i'd much rather read a review from you who it's a combination of like you you know film but you also know the world that this film depicts or someone who's like two years out of school. They just literally, it's just like had a cool life, junior high, high school, went to college, four years of college is awesome. And then they got this like, you know, cushy job somewhere. And like, they might be good with words, but it's kind of like your deep understanding of the subject matter. It's kind of like, you know, like, uh, you know, from a movie like Harriet, like I don't necessarily, the average person that's championing Harriet, it's kind of like, what do you know about, any, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's the same thing. So that's why, uh, yeah. So, so I, 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 I appreciate you being open about wanting to be in film in that film community world. But I think more people like you are needed because there's there just a lot of folks don't know certain things. Like it, it's all about the now. It's just like whatever movies have been popular for the last five years are masterpieces, and then like the older stuff, it's kind of like, ah, well, that stuff is whatever. But so it's it's uh, yeah. I have the I have the reverse. Peter, you're problem. needed, man. You're needed. I I, I, I think so. I'm That's nice to you. Say. I, I I believe so. Yeah. I have the no. I have the reverse problem You'll in that there. the the way that movies are made now, I almost can't like the way that they're shot and the way stories are told because I've spent so much time watching old movies. Like the medium doesn't register for me. You know, if if that mm. makes sense. Mm. 
And it's weird because like Tarantino kind of gets blamed for all these like fast cutting, like whatever, like movies that came after him, like a lot of imitators. And like Tarantino's like all his movies are shot like, like long, you know, big master. Sh- like he doesn't do that at all. Like if anything, he has like really beautiful, like it- it's like he makes movies in like almost of a more classical way. Well, that's the danger. Like, as someone who has many issues, like, I could have a whole separate thing about Tarantino, but one thing I can't really deny with is, like, he knows how to make a movie, but that's but that's another problem, too, is, like, a lot of younger filmmakers, like, Tarantino's their reference point, and they don't realize that they're now a copy of a copy. And I don't mean yeah. to diss yeah, Tarantino. Yeah. Tarantino has his own movies, no, but he's no, open, no. every movie is, like, it, it's like a movie mixtape to a certain degree. Exactly. The story itself, it's his own story, but certain characters, lines of dialogue, scenes, like he borrows and takes openly. And it's weird. It, it's very weird that a young filmmaker who's in like a Robert, not, not even just Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, everyone from like that era all openly wear their influences on their sleeves. But the people copying, copying from a Robert Rodriguez or Tarantino don't know those movies. Yeah. Well, this, like, and I, was, they, I was just having a conversation with somebody like, I think David Chase said that Sopranos is about gangsters that grew up watching The Godfather. So they were the first generation of real gangsters who learned how to be a gangster by watching the movie Gangsters. Right, right, right. And so all of us now are learning about, like, we're learning about how to, like, basically a lot of our, our, like, kind of consciousness was created by guys who are the students of another generation of guys who created their consciousness yeah so yeah, yeah. In, a way, in a way like it's it's like and that's what's cool i mean once upon a time in hollywood is about the i mean what tarantino grew up with like late yeah. 60s like tv and and la is like that's his that's his youth so we're watching you know him put that to screen yeah. but yeah no it's i mean we could we could talk for hours or something i love having <laughs> yeah. you on yeah, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this oh, is really always great. always best, always always and, this um, is like uh, you know outside i mean my like I said, I have my, my podcast, uh, Zebras in America, is with my close friend, Scott, who I, I text daily. And I'm here with my wife. But, um, yeah, this is, like, the closest to interaction. Like, I've been doing so many guest podcasts recently because it's just, like, yes. It's, like, the equivalent of, like, being outside. It's like, right. yes, I'll play with you. Yes, sure. Yes. With, yeah, whenever. Yeah. Whenever you need me on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, go on, as long as – even once this is over. Yeah, anytime you guys need, need me on, please. Oh, for sure. We could up, do – there's 100 movies we could do. Yeah, we, we need sure. to set up a, a, a reverse. We need to do a four a four way thing with um, – you guys yes. got to come on Zebras. We'll, we'll, we need to figure out some dates and, and Let us and know. So. And especially now. We up all the time yeah. in the world. So, yeah, yeah let yeah. us know, man, anytime. So we'll definitely yeah. put a link to your – yeah, uh, your social media and your podcast on, cool, on the description. Cool. Is there anything else awesome. you want to plug or? Yeah, just just like I'll I'll DM like the you know my website and everything. You know, it's pinletempire.com. Uh, if you just Google zebras in America, it comes up. You know, it's on we're on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, all, all all that stuff. And then Link, I'm uh, links are going to be in the sure. description, guys. Oh, cool, so cool. anyone watching awesome. on YouTube and then anyone listening on the podcast will have all those links in there. Sorry, go awesome. on. No, 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 no. That's it. I'll, I'll send. I'll send you all a link. Yeah, no, this is Perfect. great. It's like, and it's also just beautiful how like a movie like Blue Collar can just branch off into the the different conversations we had, but it, it all still applies. Like on on, yeah. on the surface level, it's like all oh, they're diverting, but it's like we're, we're we're really not. It all branched off from blue collar. So no, and especially yeah. the working stuff right now, it's highly relevant right now. People Absolutely, all, you know, 100%. it really is, dude. So yeah. I know, at, at, fir- at first, again, I was like, are we gonna do this like heavy movie that doesn't really have anything to do with 
And it's like the movie's about like anxiety about money and work and what does it mean to be a man? Yeah. And all of us are going through that right, right now. Right now, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been great, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, of course. this has been another episode of Kill You Last. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Bye, all right. guys.